0: Hello and welcome to this special edition of the podcast. I have a very wonderful and great guest to bring to you today, who I am also lucky enough to call my friend. Many of you are already familiar with Joel Hawkins. He has been an expert in the field of crystals for over a decade. He is certified with Melody as the Grand Formation Array Practitioner and is a certified Master Crystologist, but most of all, he's my friend. Welcome, Joel. Welcome, Joel.
1: Oh, thank you so much, and you're my friend too. So thank you
0: for
1: that. <laughs> I'm equally as honored.
0: Well, I just thought we could chat a little bit with people about crystals from a practical, hands-on perspective. But I thought it would be nice to give people an idea. Of how you and I connected and why we think we make good teachers for this world of crystals. I remember the first night you and I met, Deb was having one of her lovely get togethers, and I had heard about you for years, because you and Deb have been friends how long?
1: Um, probably about 46 or 47 years.
0: Wow. So most of My your life. Friend. So she's always talking about you and you were coming into town and she said, You have to come over and meet Joel and I was so excited to meet you and I remember do you ever meet people where you look at them and you go, Oh, I know you I- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> And I had one of those moments and I think we overstayed our welcome. Would you agree? We stayed at Deb's house till like three AM. Yeah.
1: And it started like, what, five or six in the evening?
0: Yeah. (laughs) And we did talk about crystals, but we also found out that we have a love and appreciation and horror of all things spooky. So that was really fun as well.
1: (laughs) That was a fun night, I have to tell you. That's one of my top-notch nights.
0: Ever since then, I get to see you a couple of times a year, and you always bring me amazing crystal gifts that I really look forward to. And you've just become obviously a friend, but also my crystal guru and mentor. And I go to you with all my crystal questions. What I like about what you bring to the world of crystals It's just a profound knowledge on both sides. Do you ever notice that with people who appreciate rocks from the earth, they either come at it from a metaphysical perspective or a geology perspective? And what I appreciate about you, Joel, is you come at it from both sides.
1: It comes into play in two areas. One, it's kind of what I need just to make sense of it all and make it something tangible that I can hold on to. And I was lucky enough in the area in which I lived that some of my mutual crystal friends are the same way. And so they kind of bring that element into the picture. So that kind of helps me as well.
0: Were you always into crystals or did it come to you later in life.
1: No, I wasn't, and it did come uh, to me later in life. Um, The first crystals I ever owned, Deb actually gave me a little amethyst point and a little clear quartz point back in the 80s, I want to say it was, maybe the mid-80s, and and I didn't have the appreciation then that I do now. I I appreciated them, obviously. Uh, I thought they were wonderful gifts, but I didn't quite, it didn't really propel me into the world that I am now, that really kind of came probably, wow, into the early to mid-2000s when that really started ramping up and and kind of shoving me in a very forceful way into that direction. How about you?
0: I'm the same way. I did not have any interest in crystals early on in my life at all. I thought they were beautiful. I like to wear them as jewelry, but I didn't have an understanding for how they could help us in our day-to-day life. And so I kind of stumbled into crystals in my early 30s and was hooked. That was it. No looking back. I've had almost miraculous, is too big of a word, but some really unexplainable incidents that have happened in my life with crystals. I've had crystals appear out of nowhere in my home. I always have at least every couple of months, I'll have one crystal that I'm searching for and that I can't find. And I'll call Joel and he'll say, well, try this or try that. And sometimes I'll have a crystal and I'll just think, I know, I know this door will have it in. They're just out right now. And, and a couple of times when I've done that, the crystal has just on my bedside table. And... Like I said, I don't want to call that miraculous, but it's pretty cool.
1: I think it's just that that great element of connection, right?
0: Yeah, I agree. Can you tell people in your lovely scientific way how crystals are connected to us?
1: Well, I mean, the one thing I think that I probably got enlightened on the most. I think we all learn it when we we're in school, but we don't really think back to it too much. You know, as we progress in life, we kind of forget about the mineral kingdom as really the building blocks of everything that we are. All the plants and animals, us, everything is based on minerals. And, I mean, they were the initial building blocks on our planet. They actually provided the first surface. For anything to begin to replicate. So without minerals, we literally wouldn't be here. You I know, mean, our basic uh, mineral makeup is made of literally like the soil minerals. So we're so dependent on that as part of our our chemistry that it only makes sense that we can have that sort of connection. I think early on, we're kind of taught in the beginning that uh, plants absorb the minerals, animals eat the plants, we eat the animals, and therefore, we have minerals. And that was kind of a weird way to bring that into play, I think, and almost seems a little barbaric now, to say the very least, when the reality of it is is those minerals are present in us regardless of what we eat. We, we obviously need supplements, but they, they literally are a building block.
0: And now we use crystals in a variety of really cool ways to help with our machines, our computers, our clocks. Can you talk about some of those experiments that you were sending me about how they're using crystals to store like terabytes of, of information? Oh,
1: gosh, now even more than that, and it's called 5D um, data storage, I would encourage, I was sort of oblivious to it. I just stumbled on it by accident, and it was already like a year old, but that kind of shows you where my head's at sometimes. But uh, I would encourage everyone, just if you have a few minutes, just Google 5D data storage. And this literally came out uh, a few years ago, and ironically, it, it began i i want to say they were using fused quartz and that's how it actually started so right now they're using they're storing the data on glass and it is the largest volume of data that has ever been laid down in history and they believe that it will can be retained for like way beyond our lifetimes millions and millions of years this data can be stored safely on this fused silicon or fused quartz so i think it just again We keep having these major technological breakthroughs that have started like way back into the the 1800s when piezoelectric uh, electricity was was even first discovered with crystals. And they have constantly from radio tuning to quartz timepieces to sonar to hearing aids to phonograph needles. We owe all that technology to quartz crystals.
0: Wow. That's just amazing to think about. It reminds me of the story behind Lemurian crystals, that the Lemurians encoded information needed at a later date into those stones. Can you tell people that story?
1: Well, the Lemurians were a civilization that predated the Atlanteans, and they were believed to be the more sort of, I want to say, spiritual of the two, uh, and, and less advantageous of technologies and, uh, at that time. And so the Lemurians, as their world began to destruct, and I think they sort of knew that this was happening, legend has it that they began taking quartz crystals and encoding the information that would help latter civilizations survive their own demise as a result of their own mistakes into these crystals. And I believe they first surfaced like, I mean, this is the legend, right, or the lore, if you will, that they first surfaced in the mid-90s, I want to say around 95 or 96, somewhere in there, uh, at least from a Tucson rock show standpoint, from what I understand. And they just got this resurgence of, of interest in the Lemurian civilizations and Lemurian lore.
0: And the story is that the Lemurians just kind of made their way up through the earth and were found in Brazil.
1: Now, and see, that's something, I've, I've heard some sort of conflicting stories. I thought, and again, from what I was reading, that it was very similar to like an Atlantean society where they were uh, a coastal uh, in a coastal area mm-hmm. um, and were eventually buried um, underwater.
0: I just think it's so neat just to think about from... Uh, just a spiritual metaphysical standpoint, if we can encode information into crystals, maybe there is something to that legend. I'm not saying it's 100% accurate as we are retelling it, but maybe there is something there. And so the belief is that working with different types of crystals can help us uncode information in, in ourselves that we can unlock block in ourselves, and so different crystals work on different aspects of our energy to help us do that. And you know, I've done a lot of other podcast and interview shows, Joel, where people will say to me, "Do you really believe this? Do you really believe that you can hold a piece of garnet, and suddenly you're going to have passion for your work again and want to go to work on Monday morning at 9 a.m.?" <laughs> And I understand the question, and I respect the question. And what I always say is, look, you don't have to believe this. Just try it. Even if it's nothing more than a placebo effect, that's a pretty damn good placebo.
1: It really is. And, you know, one of the things, and I've I've shared it with the listeners before uh, with the, the Psychic Teachers show, is that, I know for myself, it became a big self-development journey. So what began is just a mere fascination with the stones themselves and and the minerals and and naturally, when you first dive in, the abundance of information that's out there from different authors on the minerals properties or the crystal properties, and the, whether it's metaphysical, physical, emotional, it really does become a big self-development journey. And what I noticed as going through the different authors' books is there's nothing negative in any of them. There's not one in there that in any way tell you how to hurt yourself or how to hurt someone else. Everything is about improving yourself and your overall well-being from a standpoint of wellness and and healing. And so even if it is all hoo-ha, you're going to come out a better person in the end. At least I believe so.
0: I do too. And I I think just the act of opening yourself up to the possibility of the energy of the crystals working with you can lead you to wonderful self-discoveries. I know when I was first looking into crystals, I was like, oh, this one helps with money. I'll get this. I kind of felt like I was an actor from the documentary, The Secret. You know, it was all about stuff, and this will help me with work, and this will help me with gold. and And as I got into it more and more, I really moved away from that, and I started being drawn to crystals that would help with heart opening or forgiveness or inner child work healing or chakra balancing. And I see that with other students that you and I have worked with, that the progression is from what can these stones do for me to what can we do together?
1: Exactly. It becomes a co-creation process. And I don't think my experience was much different than yours, to be quite honest. I think by sheer human nature, that's how a good number of people, I certainly won't say all, but a good number of people venture into anything. It, mm-hmm. It's satisfying an outward need, and and we that's what we see it as, is an outward need. And so we head in that direction first, but I think the nice thing about delving into the crystal mineral kingdom is, from a self-discovery standpoint, is that will evolve into addressing an inward need, a, an emotional need that that often leads to a lot of other issues um, and exploration in your self-development and improvement.
0: What would you say to people who feel overwhelmed learning this process? I mean, when I started in The Crystals, there were really very few books out there. There was Judy Hall's and Melody's and Cassandra Eason. That was about it. I mean, there were others, but... Now you go into a bookstore and soon I think there's going to be a whole section on it. But at least now in the metaphysical section, there's a whole bookshelf on crystals. And when you look through those books, it can, it can feel overwhelming. How am I going to learn all of this?
1: It is overwhelming and I agree with you. I know when I first started, I stumbled upon a Cassandra Eason book in a a place called the Newsstand locally. It was a a used bookstore and news and literally a newspaper stand here locally in uh, Colorado and I, I stumbled across her book and got really excited because it was the first one I'd ever seen of a kind. And so I purchased it, and I purchased a copy for a couple of my friends. I got one for Deb and one for my friend Lisa. And we, then shortly thereafter, I stumbled across, I think, uh, Robert Simmons' The Book of Stones. And then I stumbled across Melody's book. And then the Crystal Bible by Judy Hall, and then I even found some older books that had sort of predated quite a few of those by Katrina Raphael. Really a huge pioneer in the very early days and had some really great works put together. And it does become overwhelming. Suddenly when you see what is out there, I think I was better off when I thought my options were limited. But I think the lesson I learned from that is it works well to currently, if you step into a bookstore to take a little bit of time, to pick up maybe one from each author and sit down in a big chair in the bookstore and have a seat and read a little bit and read some that maybe you're already familiar with or some that either appeal to you visually and just see what each author has to say about them. That gives you a kind of a good idea who you might be resonating with going forward.
0: And I think in the beginning, people should start with crystals that are easy to find so that you can at least identify those stones, like clear quartz and amethyst, agate, carnelian, citrine, green aventurine, that type of thing, stones that you're going to find most places that go, whether it's a museum gift shop, a kids toy store, or a metaphysical store, or an actual crystal store, and start to get to know those more abundant stones. And if that is resonating with you, then you can dive deeper into the more unique and lesser-known stones. Another thing that I did, I was studying my chakras in tandem with diving into crystals, and doing that at the same time really helped me Because as I understood what the root chakra did, I could look at any red stone and understand that an aspect of that red stone carried the same properties as my my root chakra. So if my root chakra is all about feeling grounded and safe and protected, then most red stones, like red jabber for example, are going to help you feel grounded, safe and protected. If the sacral chakra is all about creativity and birth and sexuality and renewal, and its color is orange, then most orange stones are going to help you with that. Not in the same way, but that's going to be at the foundation. You know, carnelian is going to help with body issues, sexual abuse issues, and also with creativity, Whereas orange calcite is going to help you with aspect of your creativity and fertility, but in a in a gentler way maybe than carnelian. But at least knowing the chakras and knowing the colors gives you a really good basic introduction to stones you're going to come across. Do you do you agree with that?
1: I do agree with that. I you know, there's there's sort of two elements there that come into play. You've got the signature images of the stones, which may be the difference between the just there and when we say signature energy let's just kind of tailor it out to signature vibration since that'll make a little bit more sense to some folks and then you have the divine signature of the stone which is that we can determine what to do with it because of its color just like we can with other things in nature you know we had there were certain alarms and alert that were put that are put out through nature based on the color of whether something's hazardous or safe or sweet or sour and we have that same sort of signature with the stone so you really got, just like you were saying, orange calcite can be slightly more gentle than carnelian, and, and it really is the difference between the signature energies of the two stones.
0: Another thing I recommend people do is just buy a mixed tumbled bag of gemstones. Just go online and order a pound of. You know, fairly small, m- tumbled gemstone. You're going to get the basic stones in there. You're going to get hematite and amethyst and jasper and clear quartz and an aventurine or so, and just organize them out. I used to just pour them out on my carpet, and I get my little crystal bible, and I would just identify each of them.
1: Yeah, that is a good piece of advice, especially with the crystal bible, because the. And I have to admit, one of the things I like about the crystal bible from Judy Hall is she'll often use a depiction of tumbled stones. Mm-hmm. to help you identify and if you're starting with tumbled stones it's a little difficult. I mean, I've seen some talented mineralogists battle over what a particular mineral is when they're only seeing a piece of it and it's not, you know, the full natural growth habit is not visible. And and I think it can be the same way with the tumbled stones. So if you're not seeing the whole picture sometimes that can be a challenge and And it's nice to see something like the Crystal Bible where everything is, in most cases, a a tumbled stone of the various minerals, and they're kind of easy to match up. And I did the same thing. I would sit there with a pack of tumbled stones and open up the Crystal Bible because that way I could get a good idea of exactly what I was holding in my hand. And it was a little easier than searching the Internet going blue stones or blue minerals uh, because you'd get lost.
0: Yeah, you do. But I would, sometimes I'd have a green stone. I would look at it and I'd go, is this green aventurine or is this green jaffy? It was so dark, I couldn't figure it out. And the book picture wouldn't help. So then I would go online and I'd look up different types of green stones and identify it that way. But I think it's to start with a really good book of pictures and start to get confident in what you are seeing. I know a lot of people, for example, confuse blue chalcedony with blue lace agate and the difference there is you can see the striation lines of growth in the blue lace agate and that's one way in those small tumble pieces to tell the difference and it's nice to be able to understand that for yourself that the growth patterns change the color and the formation of the stone.
1: Exactly and your and your agates are almost always banded with those, those striations. That's another a good way to know whether you're dealing with an agate or a chalcedony or a jasper is your agates is almost always banded.
0: Yeah, and as you start to work with these stones, you'll you'll understand that. The other thing I'd love to recommend to people, instead of necessarily ordering a specific stone or going into a crystal store looking for something specific for a need you're working on, which I think is a great thing to do. But in addition to that, consider walking into a crystal or metaphysical store and just saying to your higher self your guides, whoever you're comfortable working with show me what stone I need now and it's amazing how you'll be drawn to a specific stone, and it might even be one you don't really like that's happened to me many 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 times where I'll go to the store and I'm in my mind I'm looking for a Jane Dow crystal or a sugar light or something kind of different And then I'll walk into the store and I'll be attracted to something that really isn't my cup of tea, like serpentine. I don't know why. I don't really like the looks of that stone, but I own a lot of it. (laughs) (laughs) I remember one time I walked in and Dragon's Egg just spoke to me and I had to get that little stone. So sometimes you you have to surrender to it. And what I have found is when I do get that little stone and bring it home, within a month, a situation will occur where I will need the qualities of that stone.
1: I think so too. I, I, I've I had similar experiences. And, and I think everybody, it's, again, it's going to kind of be our human nature to start with reaching for the stars sometimes when we delve into the mineral kingdom and, you know, wanting this crystal and that crystal. But, but you're right. If you just, if you can, you know, maybe treat yourself to a crystal, but then at least take a moment to say, okay, guide me to something else as well. And, and, and take that, that chance in taking home what could be at first glance an ugly rock but turns out to be a really good companion for a while.
0: Can you tell us, how do you work with crystals on a daily basis?
1: Probably the most, I tend to pick them up and hold them more than I tend to do anything else. And I'll pick one up at random and walk around the house with it. I'll put it in my pocket, I'll roll it around in my hands. And it'll, it'll either be something that I take into sort of a little bit of a meditation or it just offers me some comfort in holding it and having it to roll around in the palm of my hands or between my fingers, that sort of thing. I probably, there was a time maybe several years back where I spent a little more time actually laying down and putting them on me, but I tend now more, and a lot of this is because I have a cat that I didn't have, then. <laughs> so I tend to hold on to them a little bit more just so that I'm not at risk of him eating them or swallowing them, because uh, he is highly attracted to them, which I think is really funny, and, and I have other friends whose cats could care less, but mine thinks they're the greatest thing in the world, so, but that's pretty much what I do, is I'll, I, I tend to have this, just they're just kind of all over the house in different rooms on tables or in a bowl and I'll just pick one up and walk around and set it down and then maybe later pick up another one and walk around and they just they feel good in my hand and it just gives me something to focus on and it sometimes helps me into a mental space that I kind of need to get into because suddenly I'll stop maybe obsessing on whatever I'm obsessing over and realizing that I'm holding the stone and I'll start paying attention to the stone and then I'll start making just some mental connections of what I'm doing and what maybe I should be doing.
0: I tend to do the same thing. I like to place them purposely around my house. So I will have fluorite, for example, is sitting on my cable box to block EMF from the TV. I have them near my computer. I have selenite over the doorways and windows of my home for uh, protection and, and higher energy. I like to put clear cords lining the bottom windowsill of my house, just little single terminated clear cords clear points. I have certain crystals in my kids' rooms for things that I think they need help with. I like to grid underneath the mattress as well, so that everyone has sweet dreams. I put them in my plants and in my garden to help those plants grow. And I also meditate with them. And I do it in a variety of ways. I will lay them on the laying on of the stones, like you were saying, Joel. I like to do that if I'm doing a really thorough, long chakra cleansing or balancing meditation. I like to take my bigger stones, especially my clear quartz, and I like to meditate by daring inside of them. I also like to use them when I do Reiki on other people. There's so many different ways that I use crystals. It's kind of hard to just list them all out. I use them in grids all the time. I have grids up. Every new moon, usually, I'll put up a grid for something. Usually it's for one of my kids, something that we're working on as a family. There's so many wonderful, fun things you can do with crystals. You can really go anywhere you want with it. I also like to just write an affirmation down, like if I'm working on something, if I have an intention, I'll write it down and I'll just fold it. I always thought that you fold it four ways and you always fold it towards you so that you're bringing that intention to you. And then once I have folded it four times, I place it underneath that crystal.
1: Deb does a lot of tucking of notes and names and that sort of thing under her crystals as well. I
0: think it's a lovely idea. Can I prove to anyone listening that this works? no. But what I know is that I am busy as, well, I won't swear, but I'm busy. And it's so hard. It's so hard for me to be the person I want to be. So what will happen is a friend will call me and say, hey, such and such is going on. You know, can you help me? Can you pray for me or whatever? And I'll say, oh, yes, definitely. And I'll intend to pray for them. But then, like, I'm pulled into this client and that kid needs me and this neighbor's ringing my doorbell. But when I walk by that crystal with that little prayer card tucked underneath, I remember, oh, Jen asked me to pray for her this week. And that, I know, worked.
1: I was just sitting here thinking, when you look back across history at how many thousands of years back that humankind has been completely fascinated with gemstone for reasons other than adornment. So, you know, they were part of their, their currency, their ritual their religious experiences, their healing experiences. This has gone on for, I mean, way back, like 5,000 years before Christ. We've had a fascination with gemstones, or at least we've had evidence of a fascination of gemstones, and that could have even been predated even before then. But we at least have evidence that for... Before 5000 BC, we have been digging the earth and extracting these things and incorporating them into our life for a myriad of ways. And so you can't help but wonder why that is, right? Um, I agree. And you're right. I mean, can we? can I personally or you maybe you personally prove that it works I can't you know can I even give you a compelling argument I'm not sure I'd like to think that I could but again I just keep falling back to the point that I can only let you know that I'm a better person because of it and and it really helped me with a lot of self-development and I've seen it help a lot of other people with self-development how can you go wrong with improving yourself
0: I agree and especially for for people like me I don't think you're I don't think you have this problem like I do, Joel. Maybe it's because I'm a Gemini. I don't like living in my body. Like, I'm always in my mind. I'm always thinking. My mind's always going. I'm always thinking about what I need to be doing, what I want to be doing, what I should be doing, what I'm going to do this weekend, what I'm supposed to. I'm I'm always thinking. And it's, it's a constant battle to get me out of that monkey mind modality. And to just be present and to be focused and grounded and aware. And I've tried a lot of things to get me there. I do exercise, but it does not get me there. Because every time I'm doing exercise, even if it's yoga, which I really like, I'm still thinking, how much longer till this class is over? I love to walk, but when I'm walking, I'm usually with my friend and I'm talking. All the other things you're supposed to do to focus and, and have that self-awareness and work on your inner self, I've tried. And what's really worked for me is crystals and meditating with crystals. So I'm not saying it's the only way. I'm just saying it's a really great way to awaken your intuition, to strengthen your spiritual protection and to be more aware of how you are growing as a soul and as a light worker on this planet. The reason why we're doing this special edition of the podcast is because Joel and I are going to be teaching everybody about this in our workshop called A Stone Unturned. You can join us. That is going to be two Wednesdays in November. We are going to be doing it Wednesday, November 7th, and Wednesday, November 14th. It's a webinar done through Zoom, and it's nice. It's easy. Once you sign up, on my website, SamanthaFay.com, you will get a link to the website. And then the night of the website, you just click the link, and poof, you're there with Joel and I. And we're going to be spending two weeks teaching you an overview of what we learned about crystals. You'll learn how to make gem water, how to make a basic crystal grid, how to use crystals for chakra work and meditation. And plus, we also add in quite a bit, thanks to Joel, about the physics, science, and history of the zones. But I really think our main purpose with doing this webinar together, Joel, is bringing people the confidence needed to just take the leap into the mineral kingdom.
1: We want you to take your own journey is important, especially if it's going to be one of self-development. And so just for starters, it's good just to kind of cut through and give you some quick information and sort of a little bit of inspiration to get you motivated to take your own journey and branch off from there and feel comfortable starting. I think that's the hard part for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, I do too. I know for a long time with me, people would come to me with questions. Like I I went to an intuitive development circle for over a year. And each Friday night, someone would come with a crystal and they'd go, Samantha, what is this? And I would think, why are they asking me? How the hell should I know? And then... Eventually I looked at it and I was like, I do know. <laughs> I, was
1: so I know it's the so- thing that used to bother me, if you mentioned that you were really into crystals or minerals, it was like people started trying to come to you like you were going to prescribe something to them. You know, what should I use for this, and what should I use for that? And it's like, wow, I just don't feel comfortable doing that, and, and I just, you know, never really looked at them quite that way. And so that was always a hard thing for me to get over, was trying to find a common, gentle way not to prescribe crystals to people, but get them to sort of take their own journey because I think, again, that's where you're going to find what you're looking for or maybe something is going to catch your eye or catch your ear, so to speak, um, in an area where something may help you with some personal development.
0: Trust your intuition.
1: Exactly, exactly. And, and you know,
0: know,
1: I know, I don't know whether, Samantha, I was talking with you or I was talking to Deb about this, I can't remember, but... You know, there are days that it is just as hard for me to get up out of bed and get motivated to do something as it is for anybody else. And there are days where it is just as hard to start sorting out crystals and picking out something as it is to drive to the gym, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like anything. It requires you to apply yourself. So nothing magical is going to happen without you because really you're the magic, right? You're the intent, you're the magic, but it's a great catalyst for your magic and, and for your intent. So that's the thing I I try to also relate to people is that um, we all have bad days and, and we're all tired after a full day's work or, you know, driving the kids all over town or to every soccer event in the state. But You do owe yourself a little bit of time, and it's a great way to spend some time with yourself.
0: Instead of, like if someone emailed me and said, I've been feeling a little lackadaisical, a little down in the dumps, what crystal would you recommend? I would instantly email back, oh, I'd recommend citrine or sunstone or maybe smoky quartz. Lipidolite might be helpful as well. But you're saying... Don't necessarily do that. Ask the person to reach inside of themselves and ask what stone do I think I need?
1: Yeah, or and like you were mentioning several stones, right? So say you know these maybe are these are stones that have helped me. Maybe go read a little bit about them and see if one of them resonates for you. Mm-hmm. That would get them to sort of do an investigation. Because most everywhere that you read where a stone's properties or any, well, whether you're online or in a reading out of a book, I've noticed that wherever you get the sort of metaphysical properties, you also get the emotional properties and the physical properties that somebody has assigned to the stone. And so it sort of requires them to read through to get an idea of, of what they're maybe about to buy. And I'm hoping that something would catch their eye other than just what they were searching for.
0: Do you think sometimes when I go to these websites, and some some of the websites explaining what the crystals are are wonderful, but others, I'll click on them, and it's the same exact plagiarized description from the previous website and the previous one and the one before that. Have you ever found that? Yeah, and,
1: you know, that's just the world in which we live as it relates to online information, right? So it's not it's not limited to crystals, it's out there for everything. I mean, no, it it's is. a topic, right? And you got people copying bits and pieces of somebody else's information out there. But I think you're going to have some a similar foundation across belief systems as it relates to crystals as they may vary a little bit. Uh you're going to have some at least some shared thoughts on how a particular stone may help you, uh, as well as some additional information that may vary uh, from author to author or expert to expert.
0: Well, when I and first I started stumbling okay. across the, the different websites having the same exact word-for-word word description, it left me going, do we really know that Citrine helps with success, courage, and confidence, or is it just one author you know, plagiarizing off another one? And then, Joel, you told me about Melody's Experiments. To determine what the properties of the crystals really are and that gave me a lot of encouragement and and hope that these crystals really are what they say they are so can you tell people about her experiment
1: yeah so uh, for Melody you know what she did was basically set up observations and so she set up studies in various locations not even confined to the US but in different parts of the world and in these studies they would work with different stones and then they had all their information was compiled with a group of students. They would have instructors and they would have students that would participate to make sure that the studies were all done the same way and were standardized. And then they would compile all their information from the studies of people working with the different stones, and all that would be passed back to review and only where the experiences with the stones where they were repeated across study groups for three or more times. So, in other words, where, let's say, turquoise um, for five different study groups that in three or five or six or seven, eight or nine different times, the turquoise was attributed to a specific sort of element as it relates to either self-healing or physical wellness or physical healing or um, emotional. That's when it got used in the
0: book. I think that's so exciting and and informative, and it is kind of science-based approach that she took to get a full description of the properties of these crystals.
1: Yeah, well, and you know, she was first a scientist, right? So Mm -hmm. I thought that was kind of interesting when I read read up on her a little bit more and found out that, that that's really her background as she began as a scientist. And so then it made sense as to why she would choose that approach uh, when she was doing her work.
0: I think it's fascinating to research her background and other crystallogists like Vogel, who was the IBM engineer and did so many wonderful crystal experiments where he was able to prove that the crystal was picking up on his intentions before the experiment. And he's the one who created the, the Vogel crystal.
1: And, you know, what's interesting to me, especially someone like Vogel, is, is isn't is it interesting? I mean, this guy had your typical white-collar job in technology, you know, was way up there in the IBM world, and then behold, he had this sort of epiphany, if you will, and completely changed directions Um and just begin doing some uh, really some amazing, amazing pieces of work with crystals and cutting them. It blows my mind to look at some of his creations.
0: Yeah, it does me too. And if you take our webinar, that's one thing Joel does, is he will hold up some of his amazing specimens and show everybody what these stones actually look like. And when you held up your Vogel, Joel, I was drooling. <laughs> oh, that is such a gorgeous stone. Tell people a little bit about what a vocal is.
1: I'm sure everybody has probably seen one um, or of a, a variation of one in one fashion or another, but their cut with varying planes across the the crystal body and so um you know have, you have the faces and you have the sides right and so the faces are typically the tops of the crystal if you're if you're looking at a raw crystal point you have your tops around your faces around the top and then you have on the sides or the body of the crystal he's cut additional planes and so i think they vary anywhere from like uh eight to twelve um, that he's cut on, that's already you know leveraging off of a six-sided crystal. And they're also the ones that, if you're noticing them, they're larger at one end, almost like trying to think of a good analogy here without getting too far stretched. Almost, gosh, how would you explain it? They almost, if you imagine, almost like a turkey baster, right? So they're larger at one end than they are at the other. And so... Um, but yet they maintain from point to point these anywhere from what eight to twelve or eight to sixteen, I think some of them can cut to sixteen planes around the the crystal. And so the idea is is that you're narrowing that energy or you're funneling that energy from one end you have a receiving end um, and you're funneling that energy. Um, through, the, through the crystal from one into the other and by narrowing it and the assistance of the cuts of those planes, the perfect cut that he did on the axis of the crystal, that, that allows a greater transference of energy from one end of the crystal to the other.
0: You can use Vogels for cord cutting or for pulling out pain spots in the body, for breaking up energy blocks, can use them for focus and meditation. There's so many different uses you just want to make sure you get a vocal that is cut by a vocal certified person.
1: Right, right. This is something where at least you know that you, the, the the cut is accurate and it's precise. I've seen variations where only when you hold them up do you start to notice the flaws in the way they're cut, lines on, let's say, the top up at the faces, the cuts don't match the cuts that are in the body, and you could tell they were cut separately. So those are the things that you want to kind of watch for. You want consistent lines from each point a point on the crystal never varying from each other.
0: If people listening to this are brand new to crystals and are like, yeah, Joel, no, we've never seen a vocal, we don't know who the hell Melody is, we don't know what y'all are talking about. What, stone would you recommend they start with?
1: Just clear quartz.
0: Yeah. I think clear quartz is so often overlooked. People will often go to Super 7 or sugilite or so many or Chrysanthemum or so many other unique different stones. But to me, clear quartz is where it's at. And
1: I, I mean, it's one of my, quartz is one of my favorite, and um, and clear quartz is still one of my favorite, I think, primarily because of all the things that it can do with just light. I mean, you can't help but be fascinated when you see light pass through it. I think it's a natural progression for a lot of people. I know for me, I'm very color stimulated. It's very hard to me to live or deal with just a finite amount of colors in my life. I I. I really thrive on a lot of color. I think it's very natural, especially as you're working through any sort of self-development, that you find yourself attracted to different colors and very intrigued by them or actually craving them at points uh, in your life where suddenly you'll just want, for instance, I want a bright orange stone and you're not sure why and you start investigating it and see where there could be a correlation between that and something else that you might be lacking or, or needing to heal from a sacral chakra perspective. So I found myself gravitating towards a variety of stones and a variety of colors, but I always do come back to to quartz. It's one of my favorites.
0: Me too. Now, I have a question for you from my youngest daughter. You recently sent me a beautiful clear quartz that was broken off from a much bigger geode, and it kept growing. And so you can see where it was broken, and then you can see the new growth. So I was showing Chloe. I said, "Isn't this so cool?" And she she looked at it and she said, "Oh my gosh! So is it going to keep growing? Is it going to grow to the length of this dining room?" (laughs) (laughs) So I tried to explain to her, no, that it you know it didn't have the right home base anymore to keep growing. But can you help me put it into more practical language? How that works and why it kept growing and why it stopped growing.
1: Well, if it's a piece that I'm thinking about, so so obviously it, it had, it looked like one larger point when it first started and then there was the break and what was interesting about that particular piece is instead of self-healing, it turned into a cluster, individual points growing off of it like needles and I think that's the thing that looks the weirdest about it is it looks like a tiny city emerging off the bottom of this crystal all these little needle-like buildings. Why it did that, I don't know, to be quite honest. Uh, You know, anything that the crystals are doing, whether they're self-healing or whether they're terminating from a single to a double, however they're doing it, it is growth. But why it chose to grow or why it was predetermined to grow that way as opposed to sealing itself over with like a face, I have no idea.
0: You know what it made me think of on the Enlightened Empath podcast over the summer? We had a wonderful guest on named Asia Suler, who is an herbologist. She teaches all about plants and plant medicine. She just knows so many cool things about plants. And one of the things she said was that poison ivy only grows in areas where the land is being encroached upon by civilization.
1: Interesting.
0: And so she said, poison ivy actually grows to protect the land, like to say no more, people can't come past this point. And I was looking at that beautiful crystal you recently gave me, and I thought, I wonder if this broken-off piece grew these little tiny needle-like formations as a way to say, back off, you can't break (laughs) me off anymore.
1: I've had enough.
0: Yeah, I mean, who knows? But when you come across stones like that, what I think is really cool is you you can use them In different ways, like a self-healed stone, like Joel was mentioning before, is a stone that has been broken, and it has healed itself, got a smoother face over the broken area. And that stone, for example, can be used to work on healing yourself, and you can connect with the energy of that stone to help self-healing happen within you. I just love that idea. It doesn't happen to every stone. Some stones break, and they just stay broken. Yeah, and and I think a lot of that
1: is... um is what they're allowed to continue to do right um especially if they broke while they were still in the earth for whatever reason you know a shifting of plates or um a change in the geography that caused the the break or or you know whether they float up from a larger uh grouping and mm-hmm. then are suddenly by themselves what they tend to do is and versus ones that have been brought up and then break of course you you know you you have no idea.
0: So we've already taught this webinar once, and it was really fun. We had such a great group of people in that class. And it was just lovely to get to know other people who are just beginning on this journey or have been on the journey but wanted a different approach or a different look at their work with crystals. Can you tell people a little bit more about what they can expect to learn in this two-part webinar?
1: Yeah, so I hope the first thing they learn is that it's okay being new it's okay maintaining a lot of your your maybe existing belief systems and not being too overwhelmed at first, that it is an exploration, it's a self-journey, it's a journey that you can take with friends or by yourself, and it's equally rewarding. Uh, I think you'll learn that it's okay to to have some differing opinions about crystals and that you should remain open-minded as it relates to what they maybe can do and can't do because maybe the person sitting next to you uh, in the class or on the webinar has just had a different experience. And I think that's really what I would like to impart for everybody. It's really a sharing of experiences as opposed to delivering a specific philosophy that you have to worry about swallowing.
0: And we get to do show-and-tell and show everybody some of our personal favorite stones. I like that Yeah, one. we
1: had a great experience with uh, – we had one attendee in the last class who was sharing that she had had a dream about seeing a crystal in her dream and that uh, she had searched for that crystal ever since she had had that dream, what was it, a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and had never yeah. found the crystal and she was looking for a faceted crystal heart is what was in the dream. And between the first and second class, I woke up on that Saturday morning and thought about her and thought about her faceted crystal heart. And I started Googling and found her one. And she and she had been like searching eBay and searching Etsy and all these different places and metaphysical stores and had no luck, but we found it she ordered it and she had it delivered and in time for the next class for show and tell.
0: Yeah, that was so cool. And when she was telling that story, Joel, I did not have to be intuitive to know this. I thought to myself, Joel's going to find that stone. I just knew you would.
1: (laughs) It was pretty comical. I couldn't believe it when I found it. And then I was at a loss. You know, you see email addresses and people will use some pretty some pretty interesting configurations for their email addresses. and So I was looking back over the email addresses, and it's like, oh, no. I don't know which email belonged to that young lady because there was some that was very clearly person's names, and this, this one wasn't. So um, I just sent it out to the team and said, whoever it was, go find this right now. I think this might be your crystal. And she did and ordered it immediately. So that was great.
0: I love that. And you'll also learn a lot of practical hands-on things about crystals, like what to do when you bring one home, how to clean it, how to take care of it, how to charge it, where to put it in your home, how to meditate with them, and where to put them on your body if you do want to do a chakra cleansing. And Joel has some awesome handouts on how to create gem water and crystal grids. There's over 25 pages of handouts, I believe, pretty thick, but you get a lot of great great information. So if you're interested in joining Joel and I, it's November 7th and November 14th from 8 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And if you want to sign up, head over to my website SamanthaFay.com. that's F-E-Y.com, com and click on webinars and it's the first one on the left. I'll also link it up on our Facebook pages as well. Well, I appreciate you and I can't wait to teach with you soon.
1: I look forward to it as well and I hope The listeners enjoy it and join us as well.
0: Me too. I hope you all have a wonderful, great, happy week, and we will see you very soon back on the podcast. Take care, everyone.
1: Take care.